Turn to Acts 16, if you will. Now here's something fascinating. We had this great testimony about Katie. And you know how great? That's Katie's light right there, the furthest one out. And I know for sure that the Lord's working on several other hearts right now that that last light's going to get lit very quickly. Very quickly. It's just a privilege to have Stephen and Becky and CJ and London here. It's really fun to watch your kids like try to figure this place out again. Or you guys, you know. So we're so glad to see you guys. And we get to go with them to a wedding later, so I'm very excited. No, you're not invited. You can't come. <laughs> Got to show up with an invitation. I'm so sorry. Somebody, you know, somebody get engaged around here so you can go to a wedding. Okay. <laughs> Acts 16. If you're new, I'm never like this. Never. We're very serious around here. Um, I believe God created humor. And sometimes that helps us through the challenges, right? I know that it helped him through the challenges of the disciples sometimes. So let me pray over the message. Let's transition here. Father, this morning, as we look into your word and we, we unwrap these events out of the first church, out of the early church, that they apply to us. We can make the connection. We can see how your spirit, your word, your, your incredible hand working in people's lives to do incredible things, that this isn't just a story for antiquity. This is an example to us. And, and your very hand that was at work in, in that period, in that time with those brothers and sisters, it is at work here now today in this place. So carry your word into our hearts through your spirit this morning. Thank you for our worship already today and inspire us in this idea of sacrifice. Amen. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Did you ever fantasize about that? Right? What would you do if you were in that position? Right? Car burning. You know, someone's in a holdup. Would you step up? Would you interfere? I think it's fascinating that we sometimes in our mind we fantasize about those moments that we always see on TV. But you know, we have these events in life that are starting to mimic TV, don't we? And we hear stories of love, where people are interceding, where people are taking a bullet to save someone's life. This morning what I want to challenge you on is that God may not ask you to take a bullet, but he may ask you to sacrifice something in order to help someone with eternal life. What's the cost? What's the boundary? Where is the line where you say to God, mm, I'm, I'll go this far, but I'm not going to go any further. Understand on the front side of this message that you're going to hear about Timothy and Paul. I want you to remember Paul's statement, and we read some of it last week, for he's given some to be apostles, some to be teachers, some to be preachers, and he says, are all evangelists, are all teachers, are all um, you know, preachers? No, they're not. God's given to each one exactly how God has designed his children. And so for each of those giftedness or gift sets, 
there's an individual calling. And when we are in that calling, when we are in that will of God, there is an essence, an understanding, a passion in our heart to be willing to do anything to accomplish that calling. Just understand that whatever Paul and Timothy's calling was may be very different than yours. So let me preface what we're looking at this morning and say when you hear these stories of sacrifice, contextualize it a little bit with where your life is, okay? What does sacrifice mean for us here today? Let's read the passage this morning. It is a grandiose five verses. Let's hope we can get through it. 16.1 Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra in Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For those of you who were here last week, your radar should be bleeping big time. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. There's your hint about last week. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Stephen, Becky, are there a lot of people in this room that you're looking at and say, who are these people? Me too. (laughs) Their numbers were increasing daily. Lights were being lit daily. So we've got some splaining to do. And and, uh, Christy, if you're still watching, here comes your answer. Because as I talked to Christy last week, and she revealed to me what God had done in her life, she said, I have another question. I got ahead and started reading in 16. And you just talked about how Here, the Jerusalem church, the council said, oh, you don't have to practice all of these customs of Moses. Right? You remember this? Let's not put that burden of circumcision and all the Jewish customs on the new believers. That's not what God is about. That's not what Christ is about. Fast forward, Paul's moving through and he had this this little, you know, thing with Barnabas and they went their separate ways and now ministry is multiplying Even in the ashes, God can be working, right? But what Paul's thinking about is still multiplication. See, Barnabas has John Mark, and he's mentoring him in this way, like Rihanna's going to be mentoring and discipling Christy, right? And so he... What? No, no, there's a new person named Christy you're not aware of. (laughs) My prophetic gift. Thank you. You guys are hilarious. You couldn't couldn't let it go, could you? (laughs) That's right. It's the pneumonia. It's still up there somewhere. Uh, now I have no idea. I was rolling. I have no idea where I was. So Paul is and so he's going back to these churches that he established. This was the plan. And he comes across this young teenage guy. And what does it say? He has a good reputation. We've got three teenage guys working over with your with your kids this morning that are serving. 
We've got, I think we had 25 students this past Wednesday night. I've got Michael and Danielle right back there. By the way, if you're new, we call you out all the time here from the stage. See, Paul was always looking. Who could he invest in next? Let's look at some things here, because we've got some obvious problems, don't we? At one point, the whole Jerusalem council, including Paul, says, don't lay this burden, and then he recruits his new boy, Timothy, and what's the first thing he does? Okay, Timothy, we've got to, uh, we've got to take care of the particulars here and, 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 and do this so that the Jewish people don't get upset. What? This is one of those paradoxes in Scripture, Pastor? This is, no. This one's easy. Sacrifice in ministry is no sacrifice at all to those engaged. It is love demonstrated. It is Christ-likeness. There's a couple things here I want to show you when it comes to the idea of sacrifice. Sacrifice, the act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important. Or worthy. See the notes down below in red? Take note. It's worth it. When it comes to sacrifice for the sake of Christ, are you able to say it's worth it? We'll, we'll look at that a little bit later. Another quote. The most important decision about your goals is not what you are willing to do to achieve them, but what you're willing to give up. Dave Ramsey, one of the wonderful uh, financial counselors of, of our time. Sacrifice in ministry is no sacrifice at all. Again, I love this cartoon. You see that? My kids would not say that happens at our house. Our house has an average temperature upstairs of 48 degrees. <laughs> and we just say, here's another blanket. Deal with it. No, it's not that bad. Okay, Elizabeth Elliot, wife to um, one of the greatest missionary stories of, of our time. Right? And what does she say? Because she lost her husband to the mission field greatest sacrifice you can think of it is impossible to love deeply without what without sacrifice your success is determined by what you are willing to sacrifice for it so just some thoughts just some you know i never know who's going to be here and what's going to resonate but we're going to look at scripture next gen priority is really where we start today paul stays committed to building into the next generation with timothy do you see that He's now separated, he still has a team, he's going out, but it's probably in his mind, and he hears of a young man with a great reputation, and his first idea is what? I want to build into him. I'm going to call him to come be part of this team. And by the way, that's going to require that you sacrifice, Timothy. But sometimes that call has to go out. It's one of the things that's part of our, our new vision statement here at, at CBC is that we want to challenge that next generation to step up, to be the church, because they are the church. And we need to get out of the way and go to Barbados. No. Paul stays committed to building into the next generation with Timothy. We have an event coming up March 11th. You will be there. Or again, we'll remove your membership. <laughs> oh, did you hear that? I think they're getting really discouraged. Okay, I won't ever say that again. We'll partially remove your membership. There's a great event coming up March 11th. Shelby, wave your hand. 
Shelby is a homegrown missionary. Shelby, you're what, 37? <laughs> Shelby, what are you pushing? 20. Shelby, how many foreign lands have you been to since age 18? Three. And I think part of that was like conquering Tibet or something, right? It was what? Oh, Nepal. Same, same thing. <laughs> it's, it has big mountains and it's over there. For the cause of what? Adventure? The cause of Christ. And we have supported Shelby through that. She's giving a, a, a big presentation March 11th in the evening. We're going to have a chili cook-off. We're going to have Shelby share all that's been going on with her through YWAM. And we're going to add in along with her, uh, Stephen Gadd. Did I see Stephen Gadd in here somewhere? Stephen, um, you're pushing 26? A little, uh, he goes a little higher. But still under 40, correct? Still under 40. And he just came back from Egypt where we helped participate and support a vision he had to act on behalf of Christ and the church. Again, that younger next generation. An even younger generation. Stephen's child. And the excitement of knowing where is God going to take these individuals? Come be part of that March 11th. All right? And, and hear what that next generation is doing. They will build the church. They will carry the name of Christ. And they can do far more than we ever thought we could. They are our next Timothys, our next John Marks. And how great that Concord Bible Church has two of its own. We have several others that are all over the world but we have two of our own that are taking that, that message around the world. Sacrificial ministry requested Timothy to go above and beyond, and he answered the challenge. Next, obvious hypocrisy. All right, let me answer the challenge. Ministry often requires bold sacrifice in order to be effective. You see what happens here, right? Let's get back into the text. So verse 2, speaking about Timothy, he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra in Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, become part of that team, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now here's the problem that we have coming off of chapter 15. Chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas come back from the first missionary journey. And there's a group, a party, political party, if you will, called the party of the Pharisees. Or the party of the circumcision. And so they gather and they start saying, you need to demand all these new believers, all these Gentiles that are not Jews, that don't know the customs of Moses, you need to take those customs of Moses, which we have been operating by for millennia, and you need to demand as new believers being grafted into the church that they do what we do. And so Peter and James and the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem and that party and Paul and Bar they all gather together in 15. And they come to the realization that what God has stipulated is that grace is done through the cross of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. That salvation leading to eternal life comes through the cross and Jesus' effectual work on the cross 
Because of His sacrifice, there's no longer a need for sacrifice. There is a whole new covenant. And that covenant is established through the giving of the Holy Spirit when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, just like Christy. Good job. Amen? So now you've got this problem that people are kind of working on a political level, and the church says, no, we are not going to lay that burden on new believers. And we all say a hearty amen. Right, that's the way it should be. And now Paul travels to Lystra. He sees his homeboy Timothy, and he says, first thing we're doing with you, Timothy, is you're going to give in to those customs of Moses, and you're going to do exactly what the church said we weren't going to do. Isn't that the obvious problem here? So why? It's simple. Did you catch the next phrase? Because his father was a geek. I mean, a Greek. His father was Greek. So what happens here is that you have a lineage of being Jewish. And because the father was Greek, he probably demanded that the son was not circumcised at birth because normally the son would be even if just one parent was Jewish. This was kind of an anomaly. And so what happens is as Paul takes Timothy on his journey and wants him to be an effectual minister for the gospel, right? They're going to get this question. And it's going to be a roadblock to being effective as ministers to the Jewish community. Did he have to? No. What's happening in this situation is that there is a sacrifice that Paul is asking Timothy to do that looks like it's the very contradiction of what they said you shouldn't do, but he's saying you are under no compulsion, Timothy, but because of where we're going, because of your previous background, in order to be more effective, you saw all those quotes about sacrifice. In order to be more effective, would you be willing to do this just so it doesn't become an issue and we can just focus on the gospel? Now, you read all that in there, didn't you? But trust me, that's, that's how it went down. And that's why Paul asked Timothy to go through this process is to eliminate all of the argument, all of the debate. How do I know that? Because there are other passages later on that describe the fact that he doesn't ask others to do the same thing. Timothy's pedigree was unique. And so Paul didn't want it to become a distraction. He didn't want it to become a distraction Ministry often requires bold sacrifice in order to be effective. Because of our love of Christ and the needs around us, we are moved to take action that will require sacrifice. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Do you now see the passion? This is the passion. I know pastors that have gone out and slept in the middle of winter on the city streets with nothing. Just a pair of jeans and a t-shirt so that they would feel more effective in understanding their ministry to the homeless. 
Do they need to do that? No. Is it required that they do that? No. But when you are so moved to help understand and be as effective as possible, right? I become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Hudson Taylor, a great spiritual missionary, was rejected by his own missions agency. Why? Because he became too much like the Chinese. He came from Britain, went to China. He grew a long ponytail and shaved the size of his head and started dressing like Chinese. And they said, what are you doing? He says, I'm becoming all things to all men in order that the gospel might go out. These are things that don't have to be done. But because of passion and because they do not interfere. By the way, Timothy choosing to do this was for the benefit of the message going out. It wasn't something that was sinful. It wasn't something that was embracing the custom. It was him just saying, I'm going to eliminate the problem. I'm going to eliminate the problem. <coughs> what are ways that we see people moved? You heard a testimony up here last week. If you were here. Who was that by? Anybody remember? Oh, that's great. It was a really powerful testimony. That's fantastic. What? That was Tuesday. Dave and Rachel. And what were they speaking about? Adoption. And so they made major sacrifices in their life that they might adopt Declan. And you heard that we're continuing to pray for them because they're doing what? They're getting ready to adopt a second child. And so, I think about the bite. It's an older, because anybody can go to Guitar Center, and, you know. And I got this thing. I bought this in a back alley in Pacoima. I'm not sure it was on the up and up, but it was a great guitar. And so Mike didn't have a lot of money. He was a single guy living on his own. And his mom had recently passed. And here's this great worship leader without a guitar. And here I've got two. And so I said, Mike, here, take this. And for all the places that he's been and all the places that he's led worship, I figured that he would have passed on that or, or whatever. And, and then I found this picture. Oh, wait. <laughs> it's the Morgan family. And it's a picture of sacrifice. What did they sacrifice? So much. To go to the middle of the country. They sacrificed warm weather. They sacrificed my bad jokes nonstop. Just great accommodations as staff. Couldn't, couldn't get any better. But, you know, there's a lot of things that they've sacrificed on. You know, I don't know. Something <laughs> might come to your mind. But again, another couple that truly, you see, you see, you see what they sacrificed in order that CJ in London might have a loving place and a loving home. There's Mike, and there's the Guild D18. And, uh, you know, that's, these guys are my Timothys. They're that next generation. And they're sacrificing in order that people might come to know the love of Christ. 
This is why Timothy did what he did. This is why Paul asked Timothy. It's not hypocrisy. I've become all things to all people. Emily Gaines has been all over asking people to help with a local ministry to the, to the, um, uh, to the homeless. And there's a church, a local church in our area that opens up their facility every night and she needs people to come help just sit there and be there and man it. And our children's ministries are gathering socks and, uh, and blankets. And many of you have brought those things. Sacrifice. Sacrificing sleep. Sacrificing maybe your own socks. No, don't sacrifice your own socks. Get new socks and bring them. Uh, how long are we? Is today the last day? Okay, so take your socks off and add them in. <laughs> it's hard to argue with the results. When we look at sacrifice in ministry, it's hard to argue with the results. I don't think it's any strange coincidence that I saw more of our college-age students here today with them knowing that Stephen and Becky are going to be here. It's hard to argue with the results. And so when you think about Timothy and what ended up happening in Timothy's life, it's absolutely incredible. Timothy was a leader. He was a servant. He was faithful. Look at the last two letters that Paul writes as he's in prison in Rome waiting to be killed, waiting to be martyred. And how he effectually talks about Timothy who he loves deeply. Timothy has now become a leader in one of the largest churches of the first century, the church in Ephesus. He's one that Paul took constantly on his trips throughout Asia Minor. He's built a legacy of those that would come to Christ. And I have to wonder if you asked him, was it worth the sacrifice, Timothy? Even though it may have been confusing. Wait, I thought we weren't needing to do this, but you're asking me to do this. Can't tell you how many times I've been in that position. What? Why? And you know what? Sometimes pastors say, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. That's not required. Let me back this up. Just because I want to see that face again of Stephen. Or no, Becky's just incredible in that shot. What does he say? I've become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. This is the sacrifice. Becky's sacrificing back. She is really on that hamburger. That's good stuff, Becky. You're never coming back again, ever. I'm so sorry. I just, you know me. Um, and so what does, what does Paul say to Timothy at the end of his life? He's waiting for martyrdom. And he thinks he's sitting in prison and he's thinking about Timothy. He says, come, I need you to come be with me. This is it for me. I long for you to be with me. Faithful servant. The person that I called so many years ago the person who walked with me, the person who became me, the person I'm turning the keys over to. And he says what? Great statement. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Where do you get that statement? You get it through sacrifice. You earn it. One of my favorite, favorite statements ever in a movie. Not my favorite movie, but favorite statements in a movie. Is at the end of Saving Private Ryan, 
How many men have died for that one person? How many have sacrificed for Private Ryan to be able to go home? And with his dying breath, Captain Miller pulls in as the allies are coming around the corner. That's the tragedy of the picture. He pulls him in and he says, earn this. And at the end of the movie, Tim, Timothy, right? Private Ryan standing in front of Miller's marker. He says to his family, tell me I've been a good man. Tell me I've had influence. Sacrifice. Why do we sacrifice? Because we see what comes from it. Rihanna goes on a three-hour walk. I ain't walking for three hours. Well, maybe I would. Rihanna walks for three hours to answer any and all questions. How tremendous. We said goodbye to a great saint this past week. Just a beautiful picture of this idea of sacrifice. Billy Graham. I still remember when a Billy Graham crusade was televised and all the independent channels. Where I lived, it was Channel 5, Channel 13, Channel 9. Every single one of them would broadcast his crusade. I remember that. And, and this was before I was cognizant of all these things. I'm like, what is going on? Is this like the president of the United States, right? I was like six, seven years old. You think about the effectiveness of Billy's ministry. In the late 50s, Billy preached to over one million people in South Korea on an airport tarmac. One million people. But all of this came at sacrifice. His daughter, Ann Graham Lotz, was quoted this past week as saying, I think my dad was gone 60% of the time. Billy was asked recently if he had any regrets, and he said simply, I wish I could have been home with my family more. Does that mean he would choose that again? I don't know. What I do know is that that says there was a great sacrifice in order that many might come to eternal life in Jesus Christ. Billy Graham said this. I heard it today on the radio driving in. He said, one day you'll hear that Billy Graham died and you can know that he has never been more alive and he's in paradise. This morning, an act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy Ask yourself, is it worth it? Are you willing to sacrifice for it? And so this morning, as we do so, let me give you three things that I want you to focus on. One, find a real need around you this week that you can sacrificially demonstrate love and do it. Okay? And if that's too hard, let's try with two. Reward and recognize those around you who love through sacrifice. That's a way to recognize sacrifice, right? Recognize those that are sacrificing around you and reward them. Understand if you are one of those sacrificing, your reward is in heaven. But it certainly is a beautiful thing to see the rewards and the fruit of your labors. Third, encourage someone new or young in the faith to take steps of sacrificial love. Just like Paul did with Timothy. And sometimes it gets messy, doesn't it? 
Sometimes it just doesn't make a lot of sense. But the point of today's message is we look at this seemingly hypocritical text. What we see is the greater calling of sacrifice in order that he might have a greater message and effectiveness. He chose to do something he was not under compulsion to do in order that those might be saved. That's the message today. What will you do with it? Billy Graham was relentless because he had a great hunger and great passion to see people know Jesus Christ. You're going to hear next week our focus for the month of March on outreach leading into Good Friday and Easter. And I couldn't be more excited about it. Did you hear Rihanna's passion? Did you hear? I think it was even more powerful to have Rihanna read that. I see no greater joy in believers in Jesus Christ than when the Lord lets them be part of that process to see someone come to faith and the sacrifice that's done. Rihanna would never say there was a sacrifice. Only joy. And so this month, we're going to give some opportunities. We're going to give you some focus, some instruction on how to reach out and see what God does with it as we lead into the Passion Week. Let me close in prayer this morning. God bless you today. We are so glad that you came. We believe that it was of God that you were here. We pray that you're encouraged. We pray that more than anything, that you understand that the Gospel says that God so loved you that He gave His Son Jesus Christ in order that you might have eternal life. Because we're lost in sin. And sin separates us from God. There's no other way around it. These are, these are God's things, not my things, not Pastor Jeremy's things. This is how God perceives it. And He would be a wicked, cruel God if He just left it there. But He didn't. You know what's beautiful about the God we serve? It is the only religion, it is the only faith where God seeks man. And He gave the ultimate sacrifice that you might have eternal life. Because He said what? You're worth it. You're worth it. This sacrifice is worth it for you. And you heard the testimony of faith today by, by Katie. that she doesn't have all the answers. But for the scientific mind, she was incredibly challenged about an intangible God. And yet she's willing to tell you and say, light that light up because I'm in. I don't know everything that this means, but I'm in because I've sensed Him speaking to me. God reaching out to me. A perfect picture of sacrifice. Let me close in prayer today. If you've brought your gifts and your offerings as you leave today, the offering box is on the left in the lobby. Those cards for prayer go in the box on the right. And let me close in prayer. Father, this morning we raise our voice, our heart, our souls to You in unison. So excited. So uh, moved to hear about how Your hand works in lives all around us to bring to faith to answer the call. But Father, I want to recognize now those that give, those that sacrifice in order that this might happen. 
And for each of us, you may call us to be a Timothy. You may call us to be a Paul. You may call us to be uh, um, a Garrett or a, or a Brian or a Marianne. And, and to utilize our gifts that you've given us so that the complete message, however, speaks. And those around us might taste of that grace we sang about this morning. Father, receive our gifts and offerings this morning. Multiply them for your use. Bless the giver, Father. And that there is no compulsion to give, but we give out of love. We give out of sacrifice. To you be all glory, Father. Amen.